What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Burgers and Brats. I'm your host, Braxton Poe, with co-host Matt Marks. We got a lot to talk about about this past weekend. We had championship Saturday, one game on Friday, and then we had some Heisman controversy, Kyler and Tua. Talk about the playoff rankings that were just released and the other bowl games that are going to happen. But first, we got our first segment, What's Cooking on the Grill. Talk about Kareem Hunt. What a weekend that was. You want to start with that, Matt? Yeah, so Kareem Hunt was released by the Kansas City Chiefs on Friday night after a video was released of him kicking a woman in a Cleveland hotel back in February. Um, he was not arrested at the time because the cops could not find evidence that a crime was actually committed. Um, ESPN also reported from this situation that the NFL, uh, when they were investigating this situation, uh, did not interview uh, Kareem or the woman involved. Um, they interviewed other witnesses, and uh, but did not interview those two. Um, the Chiefs released Kareem Hunt when he, uh, they found out he lied to team officials. Uh, he had an interview this morning with ESPN's Lisa Walter, Salters uh, that appeared uh, this morning on TV, and he said this, uh, quote, I was in the wrong. I could have taken responsibility and made the right decision to find a way to de-escalate the situation. Uh, he later went on to say, quote, I didn't tell them everything. I don't blame them for anything. My actions caused this. So a Kansas City team that has been rolling all season finds itself in maybe some trouble now that they've lost a big running back in Kareem Hunt. Braxton, what are you thinking about this? Well, now I think the Chiefs aren't going to win the Super Bowl, first off. But you never, never touch a woman, no matter what, or lie about it. Why would you lie about it? And how did the Chiefs not penalize him in February when this happened? And how is it that TMZ is the one that finds all these videos, Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt, but no one else seems to um, watch them or find them? And then they only get punished when the video comes out. Nothing happens before. Kareem needs a service punishment, pay his compensation, take a few years off, and maybe come back. But there's... There's a lot of doubt, if you will. I, it's up in the air. Yeah, what I think about is Kareem definitely, I think, was trying to get around this situation and not make it such a big deal. And so he was able to, as he was talking with team officials, trying to make himself where, you know, he's not putting himself, um, you know, out there to where they're going to have to cut him. He's trying to stretch around the truth a little bit. This is the way I see it. Um, so he can continue to play, which obviously he did. Um, and, they, you know, everyone was talking about how can the NFL not – find this out you know as you mentioned how can they not find this out um, and why is it just now you know I mean he's played all season long so um, definitely some issues going on with how communication what the communication was like and how this process went but I think Kareem Hunt will find his way back to a team eventually who knows the length of what that's going to be I mean you look at another domestic violence issue with Reuben Foster he got released by the 49ers, uh, you know, just a week or two ago, and the Washington Redskins immediately picked him up. Just that, immediately, yeah. yeah. That, that, it shouldn't happen like that. No, no, it shouldn't happen. They got a lot of flack for it. So it's interesting. You know, Kareem Hunt has had a great season, and but you've got to put all of the stats aside when it comes to something like this where when there's assault on someone. It, the game is doesn't matter at this point. It's about, okay, your personal life, your personal issues, and things like that. So I uh, I think he'll eventually work his way back to the NFL, but it's going to take a while. You can't just you can't do what the Redskins did and just have Reuben Foster back immediately, um, and that's a whole different domestic violence issue. Yeah, so. and he's already gotten some calls from the Eagles, but 
we'll see how that goes. But yeah, he should have just walked away from it. Should not have kicked or um, shoved a woman. But yeah, I think he needs to take off a year or two. Maybe stay in workout shape, and maybe he'll find another team to come back to because he's a hell of a running back. But we'll see what happens after the domestic abuse. And I guess he's facing indictments in Ohio. I saw. Okay, so yeah, lot, lot, he's lot facing him down the road now. Yes. All right, moving on to a brighter note. Championship weekend, we had the Red River Rivalry Showdown, take two. In Jerry World, not the Cotton Bowl. It was it was a weird fair for many of the people who attend the game every October. It was weird seeing it in Jerry World. No Ferris wheel, no corn dogs for breakfast. It was a dim- different atmosphere, to say the least. But OU pulled it out. Good game defensively, I thought. It yeah, was a good game. Defense stepped up when they needed to. I mean, finally. I mean, it's the first time and. Seemed like forever Oklahoma didn't allow 40 points to an opponent. So congratulations. I mean, that's a major uh, step for the defense. Defense looked a lot better, and that that played well for Oklahoma. The safety was humongous. That sealed the game for OU, changed the momentum back after that CeeDee Lamb fumble inside the five. But, yeah, OU played really good defense. They stepped up versus West Virginia the week before, and the committee took notice of that as they said Oklahoma's played pretty good defense, at least a lot better than they have been all season the last two games, and that's what put them in the playoff, in my opinion, over Ohio State and Georgia. You know, one of the things just kind of mentioning about looking at the the stats from this game, um, Oklahoma shut out Texas in the fourth quarter, and that's just so big. I mean – the way their defense is played, putting up a zero and a quarter has been unheard of for Oklahoma Especially in the last couple weeks. Especially in a rivalry game, limiting your opponent to zero points in a quarter. Only 27 points when they gave 48 in October. That's important. Yeah, so really, really good job by Oklahoma and, uh, you know, put up 39 points. I mean, they look good all the way through the game, except a slow start in the first First quarter, first time in 24 straight games, they did not get a touchdown in the first quarter. So wow. really a slow start for them, um, but the offense finally got grooving, and they looked like you know, Oklahoma has looked week in, week out. Yeah, that minute drive in the first half was huge. Gave yes, Oklahoma was. the 20-14 to 14 lead, and they just escalated from there on. All right, moving on. Alabama versus Georgia. Many of us thought Bama was going to roll, roll tide over the dogs. But that didn't happen. They had Georgia had the lead for 59 minutes of the game, and then Jalen Hurts comes in and wins the game for Alabama. What a fairy tale game for him! How ironic. Last it, year was Tua beating Georgia, coming in being same Georgia. building yeah. as well. And then look what happens here. Um, Alabama, yeah, slow start, um, but you know they figure it out, get it together, and then they shut out Georgia in the fourth quarter. So. Um, you know, I thought Al- I thought Georgia was going to win that game, and really, I was wishing that they would run up the score some more because I thought, okay, that's going to cause some chaos in this whole, uh, you know, Final Four. What what those matchups are going to look like? But as Alabama closed the gap, I was cheering for Alabama because then you kind of keep everything the same. And I no, was, two two SEC teams won't get in, which is amazing. Yeah, and you, and you don't need that. I mean, that's a whole thing about you know you, you they value the conference championship, and 
you know, but Bama's got a brand name, so if they lose, you know, do they put both teams in? So I'm glad that controversy didn't happen. But, yeah, I mean, a great, great game for Jalen Hurts, and Georgia really blew that game. And i got to mention one thing, too. Kirby Smart, what was up with his decision at midfield, 4th and 11? Hey, you know what? This is the perfect time with three minutes left to go in the game. Let's have a fake punt. A terrible executed fake punt. Yeah. What was what was that? You're gonna run it for 11 yards inside, inside the hash marks? No. Well, it looked like they were doing a passing play, but it completely they switched it because they didn't see anything open. And Bama was in punt safe. They yeah. were in punt safe, and you're gonna run that fourth and 11. And you know Alabama's Kirk- offense struggled the entire game. Put them inside their own 20, and have them drive the ball instead of having it at the 48 of Georgia. Kirby Smart after the game was like advocating so hard that they're one of the best teams, you know, that need to be in the playoff. And the other team talking about Nick Saban doesn't want to face him or whatever, um, or any other coach. And I'm thinking, yeah, they do. If you're going to run for, a fake yeah. punt on fourth and eleven, they want you. They <laughs> yeah. want to face you. Uh, so that was a dumb call, dumb decision. I know you want to go for the win, but punt it, pin them down. Winning overtime. And the way they've been running up the score on the Alabama defensive backs, you got a better chance of just going for it. Because the defense backs for Alabama were just getting smoked the whole game. I don't know why they – that was just a terrible executed fake play or terrible call. Just go for it. But then Ohio State-Northwestern, we thought Ohio State wins big enough against 8-4 and four Northwestern. They get in the playoff. Some people thought that. But they did not play like they wanted to get into the playoff. Only 48 to, what was it, 45 to 24. And it just looked sloppy, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean they put it up on Northwestern. But, yeah, the first, uh, first half was 24 to 7. Um, and then Northwestern kind of closed the gap early in the third. And that's when, if you're an Ohio State fan, you realize we're not making the playoff. Got At it that point. Three-point game. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they did pull away, but... You know, Northwestern is now 8-5, and five, and you were hanging around too long with a team that, you know, at that point had four losses, is, is not a good indication that, oh, yeah, you need to be making the playoff. And still, the 29-point loss to Purdue hung over that Ohio State team, and that's what did them in. And this, even though a big performance, you still let Northwestern stay along. If it should have been – you know, held to seven points through three quarters, maybe. that give them a little hope. But still, I think it was already set in the committee's eyes what was going to happen. Yeah, Northwestern had a chance to win the game in the third, but it just mistakes, key mistakes, not a really great quarterback. They could not get their run game going, even though it's been fierce all, all year long. They've had a great run game. But, yeah, Ohio State didn't play like they wanted to make the playoff, honestly. they But their defense – has not been good all year. They win by four games against four points against Nebraska. Overtime, they're one pass away in overtime to losing to Maryland, a wide open Maryland receiver in the end zone. And then they have close losses to Minnesota. I get the Michigan game, but that that's a rivalry game. Anything can happen in there. That and it's at Ohio State. I guess I heard Ohio State practice thirty minutes after every practice just for the Michigan game, just so they could have their shot at them because they knew how big of a game it was. But Michigan was overrated. Anyways, but, all right, so we got Heisman talk. Tua goes down in the championship game. 
Hurts comes in, beats Georgia. Tua couldn't do it. He couldn't beat Georgia. I think if Tua would have stayed in the game, Alabama would have lost. And then Kyler goes out, has a heck of a performance against Texas, avenges his loss. He's 5-0 and in Jerry World. I, I think he's got the Heisman now. Yeah, I, I really don't have much to say on this except Kyler's won it, in my opinion. I mean, like, it just, I agree with everything you just said. Kyler's been better statistically across the board than two. I mean, very close, but he's led in most of the categories, if not all. And Tua got down and injured and couldn't even finish the game. Kyler played the whole game, made big plays, and beat a good Texas team. A clutch third and five, or third and six, in the final two minutes of the OE Texas game to seal the deal. Touchdown pass to Grant Calcaterra. Uh, Tua... You saw he couldn't make the big-time throws against a decent or good Georgia team like Kyler's been doing all year. He's made clutch throws, played the fourth quarter, had to make these game or these tight decisions, and they've been winning with him. Yeah, one thing comparing Tua and Kyler yesterday, Kyler did not have any turnovers, if I'm correct. Did not have a single nope. turnover. Uh, Tua had one touchdown and two interceptions. He was 10 for 25. So Tua really struggled out of the gate, and I think just there, right there, really says, Kyler, you got this. How many yards do you have? He had like 135, 155? 164, 164 for Tua. So, um, and then if pulling out the stats real quick Kyler uh, for had Kyler, 359. 379 with three touchdowns. So, I mean, I mean that just automatically – Way better than Tua yesterday, the way they played. Week after week, Kyler just makes these impressive throws, these impressive runs. He just get, makes Oklahoma win the game because they need him to be on every single snap because of that defense. And he's been on every snap. Yeah, and, and watch when you watch Kyler Murray play too, you see him, it's just, I mean, it's an art. It's an art what he does. You see him directing the receivers. Go this way, go left, go right, go wherever, and he throws it to him. He's got all the time in the world thanks to a great O-line, and he just makes plays happen. It's fun to watch. That's why I think he's a Heisman. He's the Heisman. He's going to win it because the way he conducts, he, he's, you know, he's a conductor of, of, of his quarterback. He's, he's going to tell people where to go, and he's going to make the plays happen. Tua makes the plays happen as well, but the stats – Kyler's pulled away from Tua. And yes. Tua will be runner-up, but Kyler's going to win it all. Who do you think is third place? I think Dwayne Haskins. I think so, too. There's be no one else really dominant. Because I mean, Ohio State's offense has been so good, and you know he's been getting a lot of talk. I mean, at one point, Will Greer, but I think that's kind of you know dipped off. I agree with you. I think Haskins will be – I think those three will be going to New York, but I think no one really can compare. It's Kyler and Tua. And most of the ESPN analysts are saying that Kyler should win the Heisman now, but before this weekend, 10% of voters had already voted, so they probably voted for Tua, but we'll see how the rest of the 90% vote, and I think most, I think it should be Kyler Murray as the front runner and should win the Heisman. Yeah. Alright, just released the college football playoff rankings. In order, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then the University of Oklahoma, which was a major shock to a lot of people who thought Georgia should have stayed number four even after losing to Alabama in the championship game, having two losses, 
and then not even winning the conference. And Georgia State at five, so then Ohio State was number six, which it's kind of a surprise that Ohio State stayed number six, but you, they don't have the firepower as Georgia or Oklahoma, so that is why Oklahoma got in over them. Yeah, so, I mean, look, if we're talking about Ohio State, I was a little surprised, too, because I thought they might take that fifth spot because Georgia has two losses. But then you go again and you say Ohio State lost by 29 to Purdue, and Georgia lost to number one Alabama, and then they lost to a very high-ranked LSU team, even though they got beat by 20-plus. Yeah, you can't lose by 20 points and still make the playoff. No. So, you know, as much as Kirby Smart was really trying to convince the committee, it just it's not going to happen. Um, I like the rankings the way it is. And to finish out the top ten, you've got Michigan at seven, UCF at eight, Washington at nine, Florida at ten. A couple others I want to point out. LSU uh, finished at 11 at nine and three. Texas finished at 15. Fresno State had a really good year, and they beat uh, Boise uh, last night, and they finished at 11 to two. So those are just a couple other teams that finished in the top 25. But um, I agree with the committee. I think they did a great job with these rankings. Kind of expected what we saw last week. You know, everyone was talking about this is how it's going to be. No surprises. And I, yeah, I agree with what they did. So you think the committee's top four are absolutely correct? I think so, yes. Even with Notre Dame at number three? Yes, I do. I disagree with you on that. Okay. Well, I, Notre Dame did not play a conference or a title conference game. They had the week off, which I think they should be penalized for that. And then they played a week schedule, Matt. They played, they're basically an ACC team who scraped by most teams. I mean, they are undefeated. I'll give them that. They, they're, they can, they're a top five team. I think they still lose to Alabama. I think they lose to Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. So I think they lose to all five of those teams. But deserving, they are of the third spot or the a playoff berth i think they should be a fourth spot a fourth seed and oklahoma should be number three well i've got to disagree with you big time on this one because let me tell you this so notre dame is 12 and 0 they're undefeated oklahoma has a loss now we can't help that notre dame's not in a conference okay that's just the way things are right now but the thing is that notre dame is 12 and 0 now Yes, but but who would you have win? Who would win, Oklahoma or Notre Dame? Notre Dame has a defense. Oklahoma they don't have strong, an offense. Oklahoma has a stronger offense, but Notre Dame has a defense. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I think Oklahoma would edge out Notre Dame, but a lot of people aren't giving Notre Dame credit. Notre Dame does have, and I will admit, a weaker schedule, but they open up their season beating Michigan. Okay, they beat number Stan- number seven Stanford. Stanford uh, they, is terrible. Okay, what is it? What's their record? Their record right now, um, got a, eight and four. Yeah, it's not a bad year though. It's pretty bad. Four. We projected that okay. some people project them in the playoffs. Yes, they finished eight and four. Of course, people project thought Michigan was going to be in, it and they blew it too. But I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, but they're closer than okay. Stanford. Blew out defining defensive performance against Syracuse when they were 12th, okay? So, yes, the schedule is a little weaker. They did not look good against USC, but they're undefeated and they're 12-0. And one thing that has defined Notre Dame has been their defense. So, I, I agree. Bama number one, Clemson number two, they're undefeated. And then you have Notre Dame. Again, they don't have a conference champion, conference championship. So, yes, 
Could they be penalized? Yeah, the committee didn't see that though. Because when you compare Oklahoma with the blemish, the one loss, and I know it's against Texas and they avenged it, but Notre Dame did not have a loss this season. And they found ways to get through, even though when they could have lost to USC and they almost lost to Pitt, they and almost blew it against Northwestern, they found ways defensively to get by. And that's what's going to carry Notre Dame. And I will make this prediction. Notre Dame can beat Clemson. And I know that's shocking. Very. Very shocking. But Notre Dame can beat Clemson if their defense steps up. Ian Book is a great quarterback. We're going to see Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence. A great quarterback matchups for both teams. But Notre Dame's defense can rise to the challenge. It's the offense that was very sluggish and did not look good against USC that if they step up, they can make things happen and compete right there with Clemson. Yeah, I think... And they can beat Clemson. I think Notre Dame's deserving of the spot. I just don't think they're a top-four team. But they are Because deserving. they're what? They're undefeated. They're 12-0. and 0. Put How do you say they're not or deserve it? They played in the ACC. They picked their schedule. They played Michigan, yeah, they a big it. team, Big Ten team. You got Stanford. Again, you have all these. They don't play ACC. Playing all Five these games. other teams. Five games in the ACC. Okay, but that's not their whole schedule. I don't know. I, I'm just I, saying they are deserving, and everyone who's saying that they're not, they're undefeated. No, they're deserving. People are thinking, I heard this, I was watching ESPN earlier, Dan, as you were too, and, they, and, and one of the uh, analysts forgot who it was but made a good point. Everyone is still thinking about Notre Dame in 2012 when they got blown out to Bama, and that's why they are saying that Notre Dame shouldn't be because they're going back six seasons now to say Notre Dame's going to choke again. Well... Oklahoma's back in the playoff, and we've seen how they've done. Could they choke? I'm not trying to make that comparison, but what I'm saying is how you can't compare. You've got to look at the current. Notre Dame has this is the fourth time in program history they've been undefeated. Fourth time. Third time last 30 years. Yeah. Notre Dame's got a good team. Brian Kelly has got this team back on track, and you've got to look at it in the scheme of this season. They have played a weak schedule, I will say. But they've also had some big wins. Big defensive wins as well. That have prevented them from losing. So, they are deserving of this spot. No, I think you're right. They're deserving. I just don't think they're a top four team. But they are deserving. They, they should be in the playoffs since they're undefeated. But, yeah. Uh, I would pick that 2012 Notre Dame team over this team, though. I think 2012 was a lot better with Manti Teo. And his girlfriend? Yeah. His girlfriend. All right, so you think they can beat Clemson as 11-and-a-half dogs? I do. Really? I do. And I think that's going to surprise people. I mean, it's going to be a great matchup in Arlington, Texas. Clemson's going to be ready. Clemson's looked hot all season. But I, I think this is going to be a very close matchup. And I think Notre Dame will edge out at the end, probably by a field goal. I think it's going to be that close. Do we know much about Clemson, though? They had that... Close thriller win versus Syracuse. I mean, they beat Pitt, but... And then they should have lost to Syracuse. Yeah. Remember that game? I mean, yeah. they, they had to... <laughs> Syracuse was leading that whole game up until, like, the final two minutes. We just... I, the ACC is terrible, so we don't really know. I still think Clemson's a really dominant team, as they have been over the last four years. But we'll see what happens in the playoff. I think Clemson gets it done by about a touchdown or so. About a touchdown. It'll come down to the final minute, probably a defensive stop. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, in the, un, under the 40s for sure. I mean, wow. I'm saying I watched the Big 12 too much. I'm saying a 40-point game is under. Wow. I know. But yeah, I think it'd be 
31-24, Clemson. Had dominant performance last night against Pitt. But the game, everyone wants to see Kyler Murray versus Tua Tagovailoa. If Tua is healthy, honestly. But Alabama opens up as 14-point favorites. I bet that line decreases over the next month. Um, but Oklahoma's got a real shot to beat Bama with their high-powered offense. It just comes down to which team can get the most stops or which team can hold the other team to field goals instead of touchdowns. But I think Oklahoma with Kyler Murray, the future Heisman winner, or Heisman winner at that time, will lead Oklahoma to a really close game. We'll see how my opinions change during the course of the month. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I think uh, this is the matchup everyone has wanted to see. It's the prime time game. Um, I've said it from the beginning of this season, Oklahoma is the only team that can take down Bama as long as their defense shows up. Almost Georgia did. True. But look at this. It's really going to be, you know, really determining how, how, how Oklahoma does on defense. I mean, really, that's the big question. If their defense shows up, there's a great shot. If there's no defense, it's going to be back and forth, and it's who has the ball last. That's and really what it's going to be. Which QB is each team going to get? Is Kyler going to start clicking from the very get-go, unlike he did in Saturday? Or are they going to get Kyler Murray, who is just a monster, Heisman frontrunner, every other game he's played this year? So I think that, that Kyler Murray should appear. But then, which Tua? Are we going to get the one that plays cupcakes in the SEC and out-of-schedule non-conference, the Citadel? That Tua? Or are we going to get Tua versus the Bulldogs? The Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, didn't even look that good. Um, now, this one will be a very fun game to watch. The biggest thing for Oklahoma, if they want to win this game, it's all about a full game. What we've seen Oklahoma in the playoffs recently is a second-half choke, and that is the one thing that Oklahoma has to change this year is if they're up big or if it's close going into halftime, they've got to keep the same mentality going in to the second half. Lincoln Riley cannot get conservative like he always does in big games. Like he did versus Georgia last year in the Rose Bowl. They had that game. And then they just get conservative and blow it. And then they Texas, on Saturday, he got conservative, run the ball, don't let Kyler pass it, which he can make those passes no matter what. And he almost blew it. But luckily, Kyler bailed him out again. But I mean, I guess you can do that when you have Kyler Murray as your quarterback. So as long as Lincoln doesn't get conservative and they can just find a way to get stops or field goals, I think Oklahoma can win the game. Yeah. All right, some other big bowl games. Start with the Sugar Bowl down in New Orleans, one of my favorite games, favorite places to be for New Year's. Texas versus Georgia. Now, I think Georgia is going to win big, but... We'll see how motivated they are after that tough loss to Bama and not getting in the playoff. We'll see how motivated. Because they should beat the Texas team pretty handily. The run game from throwing the deep ball. Texas is... They've got what, four losses now. They just lost to their rival um, OU for the Big 12 Championship. So we'll see how motivated they are to play. So these are two teams who may not want to be there. But we'll see who can grind it out in the end. What about you, Matt? Yeah, so when I, when I look at this, um, it's a great matchup. Tom Herman versus Kirby Smart, uh, two teams that both lost in their conference champion. 
uh, conference championship. And um, so for Texas to win, they got to contain uh, Jake Fromm. Um, Alabama kept Georgia to seven points in the second half. So big thing for Texas is going to be that defense. And what I say for Georgia to win the game, it's defense, defense, defense. You got to stop Sam Ellinger, and you got to stop the Texas offense from getting any momentum going because we know when there's pressure on Ellinger, he struggles. And he's, you know, messes with him. Colin Johnson is a monster receiver for Texas, so they better double-team him the whole game. Him and little Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. Little Jordan Humphrey, though, didn't have that big of a game against him. He did not, but he's somebody that can get fired up very quickly. Their receivers are tall. But, yeah. Um, Who do you got winning this game? Like, what do you got uh, score-wise? Score-wise, I will go Georgia 42. No, 45 to – I think Texas will put up some points. 34, but I don't think the score will indicate that it was a. The game will be a lot farther apart than the score indicates. That's what I think. What about you? I'm going to go 38 24, Georgia. Yeah. We'll see how which Ellinger shows up to the game and see if they can get that run game going as well. All right. Now, moving on to the desert, the Fiesta Bowl. Matt, your favorite team, UCF versus LSU. Who you got in that game? Well, I like both teams. I've had fun <laughs> watching it this season. Um, you know, this one's going to be really great because you've got a LSU team that is coming off of a um, really heartbreaking mega, mega overtime loss. Seven overtimes, right, to, yeah. to Texas A&M. Um, and then UCF, they just won, and they're undefeated again for the second straight year. So for LSU to win, um, their offense needs to be hot, really. It starts with the quarterback, get that offense moving because they were 10th. In the SEC in total yards, they were eighth in points per game in the SEC. For UCF to win, they've got to feed off that Memphis victory. They were uh, out. They outscored Memphis 35 to three in the second half. So they were down big, but they changed it around, and that was all with their uh, backup quarterback Daryl Mack, who had 348 yards, two touchdowns um, in that win over Memphis. I'm gonna say I, I hate to pick a loss, a loser in this team, because I have a lot of respect for Coach O for LSU, and I want to see UCF keep winning it. Um, I am going to go LSU, and I think they're going to avenge um, you know, that last loss against A&M, and they're going to finish the season with a bowl win, feel good about their season, and build upon that, and I think UCF's win streak will be over. Really? I, I think I'm going to pick UCF too, but it, it's a tough game to pick because LSU can get hot, but they can also get slowed down. We don't know – if UCF can stop this LSU team, UCF hasn't played anybody at all this year. And then they were down the whole game versus Memphis until, what, the fourth quarter? But then they they didn't step on the brakes. They just put on the gas pedal and just destroyed Memphis. But I think UCF still has something to prove. They're going to want to show everyone that they're still the national champions. They're going to try and go for two years in a row. But, yeah, I think UCF can – It's. I think UCF can win by 10 – but that, that'll probably change over the course of the month because you just don't know what you're going to get. We'll see how everything goes. Josh Heupel's got them believing in themselves. We'll see if LSU even wants to be there. They don't really care about the Fiesta Bowl. They've got three losses on the year. Had that seven-overtime thriller loss to A&M, so they'll probably be down. But, yeah, UCF, I think they can win. And then Florida, Michigan. That game's going to be just a defensive battle. I feel like they play it every year. 
It feels like they play every year, Matt. Yeah, it'll be great if Felipe Franks of Florida or Shea Patterson, the two quarterbacks, matching up. I've got for Florida win, they're going to have to, like you mentioned, defense. Going to have to step it up on defense. Um, and real quick, you know, this is it's really great to see what head coach Dan Mullen has done with this Florida team. It's his first year in Florida. In 2017, Florida was 4-7. and seven. They were 3-5 and five in the SEC, and they fired Jim McElwain, who just today took the job at Central Michigan. And now today, Florida um, is 9-3, 5-3 in the SEC, and they finished in the top 10 in college football. So that's a really great, uh, that's great for Florida. So there's a lot of momentum going there. Uh, for Michigan to win, they've got to get that bad taste out of the Ohio State game out of, out of their mouth. Um, and, but it doesn't look good for Jim Harbaugh because in his coaching career at Michigan, he's one and two in bowl games. And that first win came in 2015 um, in his first year with Michigan. They've lost the last two years. So track record not looking good. I'm giving the edge to Florida because I think they got a lot more going for them and there's a lot more excitement. Michigan looks run down and I think they're just dragging to get this season's done. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I've got Florida as well. Michigan just, they don't care anymore. They just want to end the season. Florida's still fighting. They've got the, trying to prove they're still atop the SEC, trying to get back. But yeah, whichever team's going to score more points on the offensive side, it's going to be a defensive battle as well. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be Florida about 31, Michigan 28. It's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. Yeah, it's going to be kind of boring, actually. That's what I think. I think it'll be boring. I think it'll be boring. I don't okay. want to watch Michigan. Not a fan? No. Fake? Don't like Jim Harbaugh. Do not like him. And then they don't want they ju- they just so mad after that Ohio State loss. They don't care anymore. Well, it was, they, it was very embarrassing for them. Yeah. The way they were, I mean, blown The number out. one defense, air quotes, and yeah. then get out 62 points to Ohio State. You don't do that. They weren't ready. And, it, you know, will they be ready against a really good Florida team? I mean, like, there's, I think Florida's got so much more energy going for them than Michigan does. So yeah. Try and get that recruiting battle because they're top of the SEC again. So they're going to try and compete against Bama and Georgia. But then finally, our last big-time game. The Rose Bowl. Let's go. Ohio State, Washington. This is going to be a blowout by Ohio State. They're going to blow Washington out of this game. Washington, did you watch the game Friday night? I the did. Pac 12 championship? Yeah, that was not exciting at all. What was it, 10 to 3? 10 to 3. A defensive touchdown? Yeah, oh I mean. My. Yeah, I mean, How it was 3 0 Washington at halftime, and then 10 to 3 after the third. No scoring in the fourth, so. How boring is that? That's not a great game. Yeah, I, I just – I'm not excited about this matchup really at all. Um, if Washington wants to have to – if they want to give themselves a chance to win, they got to take advantage of every opportunity. Um, they were eighth in the Pac-12 for points per game with 26 points a game. Um, they were also tied in second for second in the Pac-12 with 12 interceptions. If they don't take care of the ball – Especially if they turn it over, Ohio State's going to eat that up. And if Ohio State wants to win, um, you know, they can prove, prove in a way the committee wrong. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they have the most points per game in the Big Ten with 43.5. Um, and their offense needs to stay at an elite level. Washington's held opponents to 15.5 points a game, but that's Pac-12. <laughs> so that, throw that stat out the window. Um, I give this so much an advantage to Ohio State. And so. they're going to want to prove that 
they belong in they should have gone to the playoffs so you know they're gonna come in with momentum trying to blow Washington out by at least 70 which they could any team like a big 12 team could probably blow them out as well but yeah Ohio State big I'm gonna say I bet they score 60 points again I'm gonna, I'm gonna go 59 to Ohio State's defense isn't good so about 27 I'd say that's a, about a fair score Ohio State's just gonna run them they're gonna have control the entire game. I don't think Washington has a lead at all yeah. in this game, or it's even close. Mm. Is the Pac-12 the worst conference, Matt? Not a lot of excitement coming out of it. I mean, you you both conference. Uh, well, the both teams that went to the conference champion, Utah, nine and four now, and Washington, ten and three. Three I, plus losses for both teams. Really, that's not great. Yeah, I'd say the either the Pac-12 or the ACC is the worst conference. ACC doesn't have much competition at all. It's just Clemson and everyone else. Yeah, cakewalk for them. Do you want to talk a little coaching carousel? Bill Bill Snyder just retired today from Kansas State after 30 years. What a great coach, man. Yeah, he was uh, announced his retirement today. 27 seasons with two stints at K-State from 89 to 2005 and 2009 to 2018. Um, He had 215 wins as head coach. And K-State was dead. That was yeah. a deadbeat program when he got there. It was. Um, he, and so he actually um, you know, turned it around in the late 90s, 93 to 2000. He had 81 wins and 17 losses. So really? he put K-State on the map. Um, 215 wins, like I said, is second wins and wins behind Nick Saban for active head coaches. Um, now he won't be an active head coach, so that's just going to stay right there in the books. Um, he finished top number 15 in coaches and career wins. Uh, he was 9-10 and 10 in bowl games, so 19 bowl games. That's very impressive. But he was also named Big 12 Coach of the Year four times in 98, 2002, 2011, and 2012. Um, so wish Bill Snyder enjoy, you know, enjoy retirement. Enjoy his last – yeah, he's old. Yeah, so. enjoy his years. Yeah, little man. Enjoy his life. <laughs> you know? Little Manhattan will never be the same, but it's even better because of him. What a great coach, man. Yeah, so we'll wonder if we'll be revisiting this in like three years when they try to hire him back. <laughs> or his son. You think his son takes over? I don't know. You know, that's a job that, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the family dynasty, but I don't think they will hire his son. I think they'll go out outside and hire someone else. And, you know, that's a pretty good job for, for anybody else that wants be to Be like Kansas it. and bring in a big time? I don't think he'll be a big time coach. Yeah. It might be one of those, you know, t- you know, mid-level coaches or something. I don't think it's going to be a high elite coach. I mean, if Kansas State's hiring, I love the little apple, so, I mean, I'll go coach up there. Kansas State, I'm available, all right? I'm sorry, Kansas State. Please don't accept. You want to be a... Just kidding, Braxton. Win the Big 12 in a playoff. (laughs) Just hire me. I'll just run You got a game plan for them, right? You have your resume ready and everything? I've already got it ready. I'll send it out tonight. They'll get in the morning. Hey, Louisville's also needing a coach. Nope. No? I no one should go there. Yep, it's pretty much a disaster. Yes. Yep, pretty much a disaster. It's a cesspool. It is. No one should go to Louisville. What a disaster that place is. Yeah, they're gonna be. It'll be a while before they become relevant. Yeah. If, when, yeah, who knows when. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up from Birds and Brats. What a great weekend it was. Few few more weeks till bowl games, national championships. Can't wait. We'll see you guys in a few days. Peace out.